A lifetime of chain smoking had taken its toll, ravaged his lungs. And now he was basically a prisoner trapped inside his own home. But despite Pop's health challenges, his humor was still intact. If you'd set your alarm a few minutes earlier, Pops began. Christy cut him off, well aware that her morning routine was the bane of Pops and Ryan's existence. She simply couldn't deal with their teasing. Not today, you two. I don't have it in me. Come on, Rye, let's go. She grabbed her keys and turned to Pops. Remember, no drugs and no hookers. I'm not making any promises, he said with a chuckle. Christy smiled. I'll be back late. Let me know if you need anything from the store on my way home. I'll be fine, Christy girl, Pops said. You take care of yourself. Christy gave Pops a quick peck on the cheek and headed toward the front of the house, Ryan shuffling behind her. She opened the door and found herself greeted by a tidal wave of hot, humid air. Not even March and the temperatures were already soaring into the 90s. She drove east along the 105, heading toward Conroe High School. An arm of the massive Lake Conroe shimmered in the morning sun as they whizzed by. Stretches of white wooden fences and green grass ushered them toward the city. In the passenger seat, earbuds in, Ryan sat hunched over his refurbished second-generation iPhone simultaneously listening to music and texting. Christy's long hours working at the prison often meant that morning drop-off was the only chance she had to catch up with Ryan, which was why she normally enforced a strict no-cell-phone policy in the car. But today, she welcomed the silence, trying to brace herself for what lay ahead. Interviews with death row inmates and the execution of a brutal killer and serial rapist. Just another day at the office. Christy witnessed people die year after year. Yes, they were all convicted killers, but it still wasn't normal. Besides, she knew it wasn't just work that was troubling her. Her life seemed stagnant, chronicling each month by Ryan's latest accomplishment or Pops's newest ailment. Some days she woke up with a sense that something terrible was going to happen. Today, that feeling seemed worse. Christie's sense of impending doom occurred before every tragic event in her life. Christie sighed. She simply couldn't handle any bad news today. Fifteen minutes later, Christie pulled up a block and a half from Ryan's school. Lately, he hadn't wanted her to drop him at the front entrance. Christie wasn't stupid. She knew Ryan was embarrassed by her beat-up old pickup. Or maybe he just wanted to assert his independence. She understood it intellectually, though her heart still hurt when she thought about Ryan pulling away from her. The downside to the two of them growing up together. You okay? Ryan asked, eyes widening with worry. He'd always been a sensitive kid, overly concerned with what Christy was thinking and feeling. Of course, why wouldn't I be? She asked. You can do something else. Get a new job? Her smile faded. Ryan, don't start. I make decent money and get really good benefits but you hate it. So what? Most people hate their jobs. That's why it's called work. Most people aren't committing murder, Ryan said pointedly, and it took everything in Christy's mind not to lose her temper completely. Christy's job as a public information officer for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice required that she serve as mediator between inmates, the press, and the prison system. Despite the challenges and the pressures, it also required that she act as a witness during executions. Her job had always been hard on Ryan. She'd done her best to explain to him how the justice system in Texas worked. There were rules, 
and the men and women on death row had broken those rules in the worst possible way, and they deserved to be punished. But Ryan had a tender heart and a curious nature. The older he got, the more he hated watching his mom stand up in front of TV cameras and talk about executions as if they were commonplace, like they weren't something that the rest of the world considered barbaric. Christy had spent years listening to her son's passionate arguments. She'd assumed that it was just a phase, until last year when, eyeing the crowd on her walk to the death house chamber before an execution, she spotted him. There was her son in a crowd of protesters. She'd gasped, staring at him as he proudly waved a sign that read, execute justice, not people. Christy wanted to rush over and tell Ryan to get his butt home, but she couldn't. She still had a job to do. Quietly seething at her son's disobedience, she sat through the execution of Mitchell Hastings, a 30-year-old drifter convicted of murdering his-